This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Progressive, The Bugle, The Young Turks, Counterspin, The Majority Report, On the Media, The David Feldman Podcast, and The Rachel Maddow Show with a bonus video clip for our Apple, iOS, and Android app users from The Daily Show. So now Julian Assange is under arrest. I'm in no position to fully weigh the evidence against him, and I take all allegations of rape and sexual misconduct very seriously. But I wonder about this one. His accusers allegedly sent text messages and tweets boasting about having sex with him. And I know for an absolute fact that the U.S. government is intent on destroying him. They want to destroy him not for allegedly committing a sex crime, but for committing the crime of journalism, for exercising the right of free speech and freedom of the press. Until his arrest, the U.S. government seemed to be putting more pressure on finding him than Osama bin Laden. Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said he had attacked not only the U.S., but the entire world. Newt Gingrich demanded that he be named an enemy combatant and sent, I suppose, to Guantanamo or Bagram. Bill O'Reilly said he should be assassinated. This is the most reactionary, repressive response to speech and to the press since Daniel Ellsberg's Pentagon Papers, and it's the same issue. The emperor can't stand to have someone pointing out that he's got no clothes on or that his linen is dirty. It doesn't matter whether that person is Daniel Ellsberg or Ambassador Joe Wilson, for that matter, or Julian Assange. The empire will do what it can to ruin that person. And so it is. And so it goes, and so it goes, and so will you soon, I suppose. But if my silence made you my worst mistake so I will share this room with you and you can have this heart to break so what is the greatest gift you could get for Christmas well being let out on bail it's got to be pretty high up on that list um, I guess only if you are already in jail as uh, Julian Assange Mr WikiLeaks uh, was uh, until yesterday he was let out on bail after a prolonged um, contractual dispute. And in case anyone was wondering exactly what the circumstances are like in a British prison, he was in Wandsworth Prison, uh, when he came out, he said these words, John, he said, it is great to smell the fresh air of London again. <laughs> so what was it like inside? Oh, he's had a rough time. But, um, now, he's a man who's clearly touched on uh, irony every now and again during the saga, as we've... Uh, discussed on previous bugles and then uh, he came out and uh, said that uh, it had been a valuable experience being in jail for a, for a week and he said it would do all journalists good to spend some time in prison to help them understand what it's like so this great champion of free speech and freedom of the press is now advocating <laughs> all journalists should be sent to jail <laughs> he's lost it sell out <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he had just spent uh, a decent stretch in solitary confinement in a prison built in the 1850s. Solitary confinement, although uh, what uh, a positive thinker would describe that as is some quality me time. And uh, because it's nice in this hectic modern world we live in, John, uh -huh. to uh, have a bit of a chance to you know, just think things through and yeah. reassess your priorities, unencumbered by the distractions of technological society. And Assange himself clearly spends far too much time online. So it probably did his soul a bit of good to be uh, banged up for a bit. So. 
Maybe actually, for, 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 we should all leak an, an annoying and embarrassing details about international relations just to get that. To, sorry, that wasn't why he was in prison, was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? Everybody in Our exclusive interview with WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, who sparked a global uproar with his release of hundreds of thousands of pages of secret government documents and diplomatic cables. Information ranging from the outrageous, we had innocent and unarmed reporters and Iraqi civilians being killed by U.S. troops, to the downright embarrassing comments about the hard partying and the corruption of different world leaders. Not long after that latest release, Assange found himself in legal trouble in Sweden, but not for any reason having to do with the leaks. Instead, he was booked on a series of sex charges. With the help of people like American filmmaker and activist Michael Moore, Mr. Assange is now out on bail and speaking out to us. Let's now go to Elliam Hall in Norfolk, England, where Julian Assange is currently on house arrest. Julian, great to have you with us. Good evening, Hank. All right, uh, first question I have for you, Julian, is uh, do you consider yourself a member of the press? Uh, are you a journalist? Well, I have been a member of the Australian Press Union for many years. I co-authored my first book when I was 25 and have been involved in setting up the, the very fabric of the Internet in Australia since 1993 uh, as a publisher. So. Um, quite interesting that this is something that has been raised. It's, it's actually a quite deliberate uh, attempt to split off our organization from the First Amendment uh, protections that are afforded uh, to all publishers. You know, as time has gone by um, and our journalism has increased, um, I've been pushed up into senior management into a position where well, I manage other journalists. Um, I now even in a position where I'm managing the interrelations between uh, Guardian, Spiegel, New York Times, Al Jazeera, and so on, which we used uh, in, in our last production. So, uh, yes, unfortunately, I don't write that much anymore um, because I'm busy being editor-in-chief, coordinating the actions of other journalists. But quite deliberate attempt to split us off uh, in the mind of the public from those good traditions of the United States, protecting the rights of the press uh, to publish, to split us off from the support uh, of the press in the United States, the support of uh, journalists. Some of those journalists have fallen for that. And why? Because they're worried that they're going to be next. They believe that if they sell us out, if they say, well, he's not really a journalist, 
um, they can have the you uh, have the Washington authorities target us and destroy us and somehow uh, steer clear of the crossfire, which they're worried will, will scatter out to all journalists. But I have a message to them. Uh, they're going to be next. Uh, and we've seen these statements that the New York Times is, is you know, not also I mean, looked at in terms of uh, whether it has engaged in what they call uh, conspiracy uh, to con commit espionage. So uh, us journalists and publishers and writers, uh, we all have to stick together uh, to resist this sort of reinterpretation uh, of the First Amendment, this attempt to use the 1917 Espionage Act, something that was put in place uh, in the middle of World War, towards the end of World War One, uh, in the middle of the US involvement in World War One, uh, to stop bona fide espionage in World War One. Now we've got this antiquated act that they are trying to apply to publishers, arguably unconstitutional, but that will take many years to get through the court. And in the meantime, what happens? Uh, in the meantime, we have our people harassed, we have calls to apply this uh, to, to other newspapers. So all members of the press and, and all the American people who believe in freedom and the, and the good founding principles of, revolution, of the Revolutionary Fathers have got to pull together and resist this attack on the First Amendment. And do you think they have pulled together, or do you think that uh, large portions of whether it's the American media or the international media have abandoned you and, and not come to your defense when uh, people in government call you a high-tech terrorist? Yeah, well, they were. They were, but we saw a bit of a shift around um, 10 days ago. You know, once I was put in prison, this really focused the minds of people intently into what was happening. So we, we have seen a turnaround. We saw the, the House Judiciary uh, com Committee um, I issue a, a finding that this would be a, a grave step and, and an attack on the First Amendment. We've seen the New York-based uh, Human Rights Watch uh, saying that this would be a very grave step and should not be done. Uh, we've seen reporters uh, without borders uh, issue an open letter uh, to Obama uh, condemning uh, that sort of interpretation. And we have seen a number of members of the mainstream press rightly uh, stepping forward and, and understanding uh, that there has to be a line drawn in the sand, uh, that this erosion uh, of the First Amendment must be stopped. And so I'm quite hopeful about that. I think um, people uh, are seeing that it's going too far. You know, always in this sort of situation, you have an institution like the State Department uh, connected with military contractors and an institution like the Pentagon, an institution like the CIA, able to respond fairly quickly and get its agenda up fairly quickly. Because they're organized, they have a chain of command, they have internal email communications and uh, systems, they have existing contacts with the press, they spend enormous amount of money on public relations, so they're able to get their message out quickly. But the reality is that a large sway of the population sees things differently, not just in the United States, but in Australia, my home country, um, where the, the Prime Minister uh, made similar sort of statements to the United States. Now that's completely turned around in Australia, and Australians have gotten together well, uh, to even take out a full-page ad uh, in the New York Times uh, condemning uh, that, that sort of behaviour. As time goes by, the large number of people, the silent majority, uh, start to become organized. 
And that's what we've seen uh, over the last two or so weeks, the gradual organisation of the silent majority to resist a new type of tyranny, a new type of privatised censorship, a new type of um, digital McCarthyism uh, that is being pushed from Washington. People don't like it. Around the world people don't like it. They don't like it in the United States, especially because of these good First Amendment revolutionary traditions about the rights and freedoms of all people to criticise and open up the government. Well, Julian, I want to get to as much as possible here, so I want to give you a chance to respond one by one to your critics. First to uh, Mitch McConnell, who's of course the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, and to Joe Biden, who both said that called you a high-tech terrorist. How do you respond to, to Joe Biden, the Vice President of the United States, saying that to you? Well, let's look at the definition of terrorism. The definition of terrorism is a group that uses violence or the threat of violence for political ends. Now, no one in our four-year publishing co country covering over 120 countries has ever been physically harmed as a result of what we have done. Now, that's not just us saying that. It's the Pentagon saying that. That's NATO in Kabul saying that. Um, no one, not a shred of evidence. Now, believe me that if they could find or even easily manufacture a shred of evidence, they would be doing that immediately. So it's clear that whoever the terrorists are here, it's not us. But we see constant threats uh, from people in the re Republicans in the Senate trying to make a, a name for themselves, to people uh, like Sarah Palin, to shock jocks uh, on Fox, and unfortunately some uh, members also uh, of the Democratic Party calling for my assassination, calling for the illegal kidnapping of my staff. And, and just a few days ago in Fox, that was the phrase that was used, illegal. He should be illegally murdered uh, if necessary, assassinated by the law if possible, if not illegally. What sort of message does that send about the rule of law uh, in the United States? That is conducting violence in order to achieve a political end, the elimination uh, of this organisation, or the threat of violence uh, to achieve a political end, the elimination of a publisher. Uh, and that uh, is the definition of terrorism. Uh, now, I, I want to give you a chance to respond personally, though, because the, here, Mike Huckabee is making it very personally. You saw that quote we had up. He says, I think anything less than execution is too kind a penalty for you. Sarah Palin saying that uh, you are like Al-Qaeda and the Taliban, and he, you should be pursued with the same urgency. So how would you respond to Mike Huckabee, who is a top Republican leader, likely to run for president again? How would you respond to Sarah Palin, top Republican leader, who might run for president again? Oh, he's just another idiot trying to make a name for himself. But it's a, it's a serious business. I mean, if we are to have a civil society, you cannot have senior people making calls on national TV to go around the judiciary and illegally murder people. That is incitement to commit murder. That is an offence. You cannot have senior people on national TV asking people to commit an offence. Um, that is not a country that obeys the rule of law. Is, does the United States obey the rule of law? Because Europeans are starting to wonder uh, whether it is still obeying the rule of law. And it needs to be very careful um, 
Is it going to descend into an anarchy uh, where we don't have due process, uh, where those great um, Bill of Rights traditions of our due process are just thrown to the wind uh, whenever some uh, shock jock politician thinks that they can use it uh, to make a name for themselves? Uh, or do we take things according to laws expressly made by the people and their representatives? That is the way things should be done. And, and when people call for illegal, deliberate assassination and kidnapping of others, they should be held to account. They should be charged for incitement to commit murder. Well, that's a very strong charge, and what they're saying is very strong. Uh, well, what's actually happened, the only person who's actually been arrested on any leak is actually Private Bradley Manning. Uh, he's actually been in uh, prison for the last seven months. I know you spent a, a week in prison, and you got a, a little sense of how bad it could be. He's uh, had 200 days of solitary confinement in a small cell for 23 hours a day. He gets a 5 a.m. wake-up call. He's not even allowed to ha exercise in his cell, <laughs> not allowed to have sheets or a pillow, etc., etc., etc. A lot of people, uh, including some of the top human rights analysts in, in the world, believe that this is cruel and inhumane treatment. Do you think uh, Private Manning is, one, a hero? And number two, do you think the American government is treating him wrong by keeping him in isolation for so long? We don't know whether this young man is our source or not. Our technology is set up, so we don't know that. That is the best way to protect people. But let's look at the allegations. Regardless of whether um, he was the whistleblower behind some of these re revelations or not, uh, he is a young man that has been caught up in this, uh, kept in solitary confinement for some six months, uh, some 5,000 hours uh, now, in conditions uh, that were even worse um, than the ones that I was in, uh, held in a, he's now held in a, in a military brig. His uh, visits um, are very limited, uh, only once a week. Uh, and his lawyer has said that they've been getting worse and that his psychological health has been getting worse. If we are to believe the allegations, then this man acted for political reasons. He is a political prisoner in the United States. He has not gone to trial. He's been a political prisoner without trial in the United States for some six or seven months. That's a serious business. Human rights organizations should be investigating the conditions under which he's held and is there really due process there? Now, we've recently heard calls to try and set up a plea deal uh, with Bradley Manning uh, to testify against me personally to say that we engage in some kind of conspiracy to commit espionage. Now, absolute nonsense. Absolute nonsense. That's not how our technology works, well, not how organizations work. I never heard uh, of the name Bradley Manning before it appeared in the media. But actually, mainstream journalists, the United States, mainstream investigative journalists, how do they operate when they're investigating a story? They do actually ring up their sources and say, do you have anything on this? That is how they operate. Uh, and if we are to, if they want to push the line that um, when a newspaperman talks to someone in the government about looking for things uh, relating to potential abuses, uh, that that is a conspiracy to commit espionage, then that's going to take out 
all the good government journalism uh, that occurs in the United States. And fortunately, as an organisation, we're not too exposed to that because that's not how our technology works. But other journalists are, and they need to take action now. And they need to understand another thing. That in this case of Bradley Manning, his conditions have been getting worse and worse and worse in his cell as they attempt to pressure him into testifying against me. That's a serious problem. Right. Right. Ju Julian, and I want to let the audience know that uh, uh, Private Manning, of course, has not been convicted of anything. He's in isolation as we keep our most serious criminals, even though he has not been convicted. What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know Goes away in the air And you could have it all And finally, WikiLeaks and its leader, Julian Assange, have faced some worrisome hostility from the press corps. They got some worrisome support, sort of, on December 15th, when New York Times columnist Thomas Friedman called them super-empowered individuals, reflecting a changed political universe. Friedman's approval was complicated, if you will, by his evident misunderstanding of things. Quote, I read many WikiLeaks and learned some useful things, but their release also raises some troubling questions. I don't want to live in a country where they throw whistleblowers in jail. That's China. But I also don't want to live in a country where any individual feels entitled to just dump out all the internal communications of a government or a bank in a way that undermines the ability to have private, confidential communications that are vital to the functioning of any society. That's anarchy. Close quote. A couple of things about that. Dumping out all the internal communications of a government or a bank might be bad, but it isn't what WikiLeaks has done. The group has released relatively few of the State Department cables it possesses and have apparently been mindful about redactions. Also, there is an alleged whistleblower here. His name is Bradley Manning, and he's imprisoned not in China, but in Quantico, in conditions that Glenn Greenwald has reported for Salon constitute cruel and inhumane treatment and possibly torture. Now, it's hard to tell reading Friedman whether he knows that or not, and maybe that's the problem. You go left, I go right. Touch down, see the light. Get your coffee and I got my tea. Watch some TV as you rise and shine. So let's presuppose for a moment that you actually enjoy this show. Now, if that's true, please consider supporting it with a $5 monthly membership. I actually quit my job as a climate activist to pursue this show full-time because this is where I felt like my talents could best be put to use and I could have the biggest impact on the world. But I really need your support to keep going. I produce 10 shows a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule posting shows at least every third day. So if all that is worth 5 bucks a month or as little as $55, a year, a little discount for you, please consider signing up for a membership at bestoftheleft.com. Members even receive bonus audio and video content on top of the rest that doesn't make it into the final cut of the show. So please, again, check out the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks so much for your support. Oh, 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 oh
my my feeling is is that there should be some secrecy uh, within to be expected within our ambassador corps in the way that they're dealing with these issues. I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think it's fairly unreasonable to assume that everything can see the sunlight. But, you know, WikiLeaks and newspapers are not responsible for protecting government. And, you know, frankly, I think this is what you get when you have a U.S. government that has lied to its own people and to the world to invade Iraq and occupy Iraq. I mean, I think that's what happens. Um, there was a day and age where it seemed like our officials said, hey, this is a bad thing to do because it will hurt the trust relationship between the U.S. government and its people or the U.S. government and the rest of the world. And so when you break that trust, you lose that trust, and then there is a prima facie reason for people to do these type of document dumps, to do these type of leaks, because there's every reason to believe that the U.S. government is up to something nefarious. It would be irrational. After how America behaved in the lead up to the war, and frankly, and how America behaved when the Obama administration came in and said, don't look backwards, turn the page. We don't want to waste time with this. If you show the world that the American government is willing to lie, to invade and occupy a country, resulting in the deaths of tens of hundreds of thousands of innocent people, and then with a following regime, with democracy working as it's supposed to work in this country, and they take no, not only no effort, but stifle all efforts to uncover what went on, how we ended up invading this country on a lie, this is what you get. This is what you get. So say what you will about the the value of these leaks from WikiLeaks. Say what you will about the means in which they leak them. Uh, the bottom line is, this is what you get. This is the implications of having a U.S. regime invade a country based on a lie and the following regime do nothing about it. And by regime, I mean the Bush administration and the Congress at that time and the Obama administration and Congress in the past two years. When you allow this type of international law breaking, this type of what should be domestic law breaking, and there is no accountability, this is what you get. It is a natural byproduct. So anybody who has a, an issue with what WikiLeaks has done should really take it up with those people who destroyed the trust between the American public and its government, and frankly, the American government and the rest of the world. That's what you get. Say what you want to say, but it don't matter. Say what you want to say, but we don't care. You haven't anything that we would bother. You haven't anything that we would dare. Say what you want to say. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say.
Last Saturday, as WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange sat in a British prison cell fighting extradition to Sweden for questioning on allegations of rape, Saturday Night Live's Bill Hader offered this impersonation. Hello again. It's me, Julian Assange. I've taken over your airways from inside a British prison. How did I get a camera into a British prison? Maybe you weren't listening. I'm Julian Assange. This week, Assange was released on bail while U.S. prosecutors scramble to find a way to prosecute him for publishing classified documents. Attorney General Eric Holder has given investigators the go-ahead to take, quote, significant steps in building a case against Assange. But so far, the Justice Department can't find a crime with which to charge him. This week, 19 members of the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism sent a letter to Holder and and President Obama urging restraint. Quote, As a historical matter, government overreaction to publication of leaked material in the press has always been more damaging to American democracy than the leaks themselves. Todd Gitlin is the chair of Columbia Journalism School's Ph.D. program and a signatory to the letter. Todd, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Okay, I'm just going to give us a little legal background. Officials have looked into the 1917 Espionage Act and the 1986 Computer Fraud and Abuse Acts, but arresting publishers, and that's what Assange is, runs afoul of the First Amendment. So... Justice is trying to learn if Assange actually enticed or helped the army analyst, who's the alleged leaker. That would make Assange a conspirator, not just a recipient, which would likely clear the First Amendment hurdle. If that doesn't fly, there's even talk of a new law, the so-called SHIELD Act, that's designed to go specifically after WikiLeaks. Legal scholars say it's clearly unconstitutional. Its adherents say it would protect America. Others call the whole effort a witch hunt. What say you, Todd? I, among other signers of this letter, have actually not signed up to the Julian Assange fan club. But Assange is a publisher. One can criticize the way he's gone about it. There are plenty of arguments to be had about how different news organizations should function vis-a-vis WikiLeaks. That's a whole different question. What we object to is the idea of coming in with the heavy hand of the law. And you say that, in particular, the Espionage Act seems to have no relevance to the situation. Well, the Espionage Act is this nightmare passed in a blink in 1917 at a time when there was a declaration of war, at a time when there was a clearly defined state enemy, at a time when there was a high degree of paranoia that ended up placing luminous figures in the history of American democracy behind bars. I mean, the notion that Assange is is a terrorist or that WikiLeaks is a terrorist organization says something miserable, I think, about the state of our public language. You and the other signatories to the letter are on record opposing prosecution of Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. Are you also defending his decision to publish these classified diplomatic documents? You don't prosecute for making material public, even if, in my own judgment, that material should not be. But I'm not the czar of information. I don't think I should be. I don't think that Eric Holder should be. There is more reason to worry about the chilling effect than there is to worry about the consequences of any particular leak. There are parts of the media that I think are scurrilous and I would not think responsible. But the way freedom of the press works, you have to defend the whole caboodle. The First Amendment is not just about freedom of journalists. The word journalist is not mentioned in the Constitution. This letter represents a very rare case of unanimity among the uh, the staff of the Columbia J School. 
we generally don't do that sort of thing. We are in our cubicles teaching our classes, and the fact that this letter circulated and accumulated these signatures in a weekend tells you about the sense of urgency that uh, people in our building feel. The same day that 19 members of the Columbia J School sent its missive to the Attorney General and the President, the board members of Australia's equivalent of the Society of Professional Journalists sent a letter to the Prime Minister of Australia, Julia Gillard. Now, the signatories to this letter were heavy dudes in Australia, the equivalent of our major networks, our New York Times, our Washington Post, our public broadcasting networks, the leading websites, and they all urged her to cool her rhetoric. They said, quote, we will strongly resist any attempts to make publication of these or similar documents illegal. Any action would impact not only on WikiLeaks, but on every media organization in the world that aims to inform the public about decisions made on their behalf. WikiLeaks, just four years old, is part of the media and deserves our support. Where are our major media outlets on this? Assange has worked with credited news organizations, above-ground news organizations, to make things available. And that would seem to me that it is incumbent upon the official press to recognize that it has been de facto roped in with WikiLeaks. They're part of, of the same enterprise. And the enterprise you're talking about is journalism. Well, it's certainly journalistic activity. Now, it's striking to me that after the initial dumps of data about the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, there was no urgent debate among journalists about the legitimacy of doing that, because I think everybody seemed to understand that there was a great deal of information about what was going on in Iraq and in Afghanistan, which people did not have, and it spoke to the moral responsibilities of Americans, and therefore it was sort of taken for granted, I think, that there was genuine news value here. There was no question that the reports of military action were newsworthy, but the diplomatic cables created a new situation. Were all these cables uh, newsworthy? Were there risks? I think we shouldn't kid ourselves. There can be consequences from the release of a particular piece of information. But to declare that WikiLeaks is a terrorist organization, that it should be in some way banished or driven from nation to nation, from mirror site to mirror site, that it seems to me is very, very serious overreach. What impact, if any, do you think your letter will have? You know, the hope of those who put together the letter was that we were entering into a fluid situation in which the opinion of a group of professors at uh, President Obama's alma mater might ring. This was a spontaneous effusion. This was, the building is humming with apprehension as well as hope and um, trying to stay alert. Todd, thank you very much. Pleasure. Todd Gitlin is the chair of the Columbia Journalism School's Ph.D. program. My father is a lawyer and my mother is a saint I don't have any siblings so I don't practice much restraint Everyone comes from somewhere Some from the bottom, some the top Nobody comes from nowhere and most of us don't know just what we've got All the kids that call kids crazy That never get called crazy And 
of the crazy in the end. Look, the press, you, you're not getting it. This guy's a journalist. And you're letting the government frame him as some sort of, as Biden and McConnell's called it, a high-tech terrorist. You're letting the government frame him as some sort of criminal. Now, but if they do this to him, as he took the words right out of my mouth in the interview, who's next? Who will they do it to next? If they say, oh, Julian Assange at some point got information transferred over to him by Bradley Manning or someone else, and that act is an act of quote-unquote espionage, well, journalists get things transferred to them all the time. They get calls from their sources, same thing. They get files from their sources on their computers, same exact thing. So if they do that to Assange, why can't they do it to the New York Times? Why can't they do it to any journalist? And by the way, why can't they do it to talk show hosts who are progressive or conservative? See, look, conservatives should be on our side on this. You want the government to be big brother to the point where if they don't like what you said about the government, they can either lock you up like as they have with uh, Private Manning for 23 hours a day in isolation, or they can threaten to charge you with espionage like they're apparently convening a grand jury to do against Assange in Virginia. That's crazy. And the media, I think, is a little embarrassed, honestly. Because th- what Assange is doing is real journalism. And it makes them look bad. Because they haven't done... You know, if you took the rest of the media in America, and I give them credit where credit is due, and they've broken some good stories. Earlier in the week, we talked about how Washington Post broke a big story about government secrecy, etc. But I'm tell- if you take the rest of the media combined, I think Julian Assange outshines them all. So when they see Assange... I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're embarrassed. They're like, oh, wow, that guy's doing the right thing, and we're not. I I don't know if they just have become government robots. So if the government says Assange is a bad guy, they say, okay, well, Assange is a bad guy. Everybody go out there and report Assange is a bad guy. Might be, you know, a high-tech terrorist or doing espionage or whatever. No, journalists, you got to rise up right now, and you got to defend one of your own. If you don't do that, when they come for you, nobody's going to have any sympathy. They're going to say, well, you're just like Assange, and you already admitted, and you never objected when we, uh, you know, branded him a criminal. You're supposed to challenge the government. We're in a democracy. We're supposed to know what our government does in our name. In fact, that's exactly what Assange did. He let us know what the government was doing instead of the lies that we were hearing from the official sources. Your official sources are not more legitimate. They are less legitimate they are likely to paint it in favor of the government. What the media has turned to in America is, well, I got an official source, so that's it. I can write that down, that's good. Oh, if you're not an official source and you're challenging the government, oh, I'm kind of dubious. No, you flipped it on its head. It's supposed to be the exact opposite. Don't trust what the government tells you. And if you got a whistleblower, my God, that's exactly what you're there for, to do your job to tell us, the American people, what the truth is about what our government is doing in a democracy. So, look, I don't know if they're jealous of him. I don't know if they're embarrassed that he's outshining them. Uh, I don't know if they, or, or if they've just become Pravda, if they've just become a, a government propaganda outlet. But uh, if they have any sense of journalistic integrity at all, the rest of the media needs to step up right now and say this talk about uh, prosecuting him is crazy, it's dangerous, it's against the fundamental core of our country, a freedom of the press where the government cannot shut down the press like this. It's time to ride, and if you don't ride on that, and if you don't think that's an important principle, well, then you're no journalist at all. And it's getting light, and it's time to ride.
As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Army Private Bradley Manning, who was accused of leaking hundreds of thousands of sensitive documents to WikiLeaks, is being held right now in solitary confinement without criminal charges. And in other news, President Obama denied there's any truth to the latest WikiLeak, claiming that America has suspended habeas corpus. Our Attorney General Eric Holder, our Vice President Joe Biden, everybody in our government is saying these WikiLeaks endanger our troops. It's terrorism. It's horrible. Julian Assange is a criminal. He must be extradited to America. Okay, if WikiLeaks is so horrible, why isn't Obama demanding heads on a stick over at the Pentagon? Why isn't the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, or Gates, our Secretary of Defense, our National Security Advisor, or the Director of Homeland Security, why aren't they being fired for being in charge of a system so porous WikiLeaks was able to get its hands on all those cables. All the trillions of dollars we have spent on national security since 9-11, and yet WikiLeaks can still get its hands on hundreds of thousands of top secret cables? Sounds to me like Julian Assange isn't the problem. I mean, if these WikiLeaks are so dangerous, are such a violation of American security, if these WikiLeaks endanger our troops... We should be going after the idiots who run the Pentagon, who allowed these leaks to escape. But in the upper echelons of our government, it's never the right time to point fingers. Just like Abu Ghraib, you don't blame Rumsfeld. You blame some low-hanging fruit, like a private, and then you leave it at that. Nobody, bottom line, nobody has died or been endangered because of WikiLeaks. Our government's lost its mind over WikiLeaks, and we may end up losing some of our liberties over it, too. Naomi Wolf reports that Joe Lieberman and Dianne Feinstein are trying to haul out the Espionage Act of 1917. 
It was under this repressive act that the great socialist Eugene Victor Debs was imprisoned simply for opposing U.S. entry into World War I. And as Wolf reminds us, the poet E.E. E. Cummings had to spend three and a half months in military detention for the crime of saying he didn't hate Germans. Lieberman, by the way, wants the Justice Department to go after not only Julian Assange, but the editors of the New York Times, too. And even before dusting off the Espionage Act, our government's already trampling on our rights. Check this out. The U.S. Air Force is now denying all its personnel any access to any news outlets that posted the WikiLeaks cables. That includes the New York Times. So if you're in the Air Force, you can't read the leading newspaper in the United States. Why? Because the Air Force says so. This is the way dictatorships respond to criticism, not democracies. discuss uh, Bradley Manning more on this show, okay? And so let me start that right now. Look, Bradley Manning is the guy who, of course, did the leak uh, initially. Uh, they have arrested him uh, for leaking material to the press, right, including WikiLeaks. Now, they haven't proved anything yet. They haven't even tried him. They haven't convicted him. But he's in a maximum security prison, sitting in isolation for 23 hours a day. Now, most experts in the field believe that is, at the very least, cruel and inhumane treatment. We reserve that for our worst criminals, the ones that are in the supermax in Colorado after they've been convicted. 23 hours a day, uh, the psychologists are worried that that literally will make almost any human being go insane after a while. Do you know how long uh, Private Manning has been sitting in 23 hours a day isolation? Seven months. He hasn't even gotten a trial. By the way, do you want to know why they're doing it? Okay, it's not like, oh, golly gee willikers, we didn't get around to uh, bringing up charges against the guy that is at the top of their priority list. No, it's because they want to, they in a sense, and now some experts in the field and human rights organizations are beginning to call it what Glenn Greenwald has written about. They want to torture him until he breaks. So what is the result of that? If he breaks, what happens? Well... They're not interested in Manning. They're interested in Assange. So they want Manning to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Assange made me do it, and he participated in it, and he participated in our espionage. Now, if you look at the private correspondence that has now been leaked to the press of Manning uh, about the leaks, why did he do the leaks? It has nothing to do with espionage. In fact, he says, not, it's, it's to a friend. He has no idea this is ever going to get out. In fact, he hopes it doesn't because that led to his arrest. In those things that he thought were private, he said, "Look, man, this this has, I hope this has nothing to do with uh, other countries." This friend says to him, "Hey, and maybe you could have made a lot of money selling it to other countries." He says, "No, I don't want to do that." And what's the point of giving the secret information from one country to another country? He's like, "No, no, no. My whole point is to share it with the American people so that 
it, so it gets out, so the truth gets out. So they see that what our government is doing. He's like, look, I don't want to participate in this. Well, a lot of these actions are criminal. He is a classic whistleblower. Now, Julian Assange, in my interview with him, went further and said he's a political prisoner. He did this for politics, for political reasons, for transparency, uh, and how he views our democracy in the, in the U.S. And you're going to keep a political prisoner in what is world, worldly recognized as inhumane treatment when you haven't even convicted him or tried him? No, that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Now, no matter what you think of Bradley Manning, and in the past, I've said, look, I get why the government wants to arrest Manning. Of course, they don't want to say, hey, anybody can leak anything they like. Now, what happens in trial is a different issue. But even if I understand the motivation of the government in arresting him, that does not excuse keeping him in conditions that are, you know, psychologically barbaric. Look, it's not me, it's psychologists who say, yeah, we've studied this. It actually, they... It slows down, if you stay in isolation long enough, it slows down y your brain wavelengths. I don't know if I'm saying that right, <laughs> but they explained in the article that, that what happens is people start to, to, to react slower, think slower. It changes the way your brain is because you're getting no interaction. Humans are social creatures. Glenn Greenwald in his article in Salon talked about how uh, people returning from Vietnam who had been kept in isolation. Uh, and tortured in other ways, including Senator John McCain, said the worst of it was the isolation, because it makes you lose your mind. Now, they have uh, done other petty things to Manning. They deny him sheets and a pillow, because they, uh, the, under the pretense that he might kill himself, when doctors have already cleared him, saying, no, there is no such threat of that at all. He's never done anything in prison that is remotely you know, acting out, violent, anything nothing to justify these harsh conditions then they said uh, oh yeah yeah we let them you know at least exercise for an hour a day are they not merciful what it turns out they said well no you can't even run you can't even do that what you can do is you can walk in circles for the whole hour and that's it and that's your interaction <sighs> what have we become i mean look this isn't the united states of america i grew up in we didn't treat people this way we didn't violate all international standards of decency and morality. We're the ones who push for human rights throughout the world. Now, we didn't always live up to it. I'm not naive, right? But to do this to our own citizens, when they haven't even been tried, it's grotesque. And what, why I keep bringing up the media is because in the old days, and I'm not that old, but I still remember a time when the media would have flipped out over this, that it would have been a big deal. Now it gets brushed under the table, like, oh, yeah, Manning's basically getting psychologically tortured. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah, enemy of the state. How could we call him a terrorist or something? Why haven't we executed that guy? The government told me it was okay. You're supposed to challenge the government. That's supposed to be your role.
the internet machine and even in the newspaper machines, uh, there are many, many stories right now about WikiLeaks revealing that Cuba banned my next guest's movie, the movie Sicko, Michael Moore's expose of the U.S. healthcare system. Stories saying that WikiLeaks has revealed that that movie was banned in Cuba. That's according to WikiLeaks. It was leaked, so it must be true, except it's not. <laughs> Mr. Moore's movie was not banned in Cuba. It, in fact, was shown in Cuban movie theaters, where Cubans saw it in Cuba. It was even on Cuban TV, which I also have it on good authority, is in Cuba. But if you look at headlines about this WikiLeaked cable, you would not know that. The State Department cable that they published said something that wasn't true about Michael Moore's movie. The cable said Sicko was banned. Sicko was not banned. But because the claim was in a secret government document that was leaked, that was not supposed to see the light of day, it makes it seem like it must be true, that it's been revealed, right? It's not true. It was leaked, but it's false. And that is one of the thorny, complicated, doesn't fit on a bumper sticker points about WikiLeaks. When you leak stuff, the fact that you are bringing to light something that was supposed to be kept secret makes what you are bringing to light seem both true and important. It makes leaking stuff a really great way to distribute false information. If you want to spread a rumor, for example, that some foreign ruler, say uh, King Hamantashen of Fakistan, or Bill, uh, you want to spread a rumor that he's secretly a woman, that he's secretly selling out his country to Fakistan's sworn enemies, if you just put out a press release saying that, nobody is going to believe you about King Hamantashen of Fakistan. However, if you arrange for that information to be leaked, oh no, we didn't want you to find out that we knew that about the king then it ends up being a bad day for the king. It is a great way to spread disinformation. Even normally skeptical sources suspend their disbelief. Oh my God, Sicko was banned in Cuba. There's the headline in the Guardian newspaper. It's not true, even if it was in the leak. Here's something else about WikiLeaks that does not fit on a bumper sticker. On the 28th of November, WikiLeaks dumped all these State Department documents, right? The next day, the United States government came out, came out guns blazing, calling the leaks an attack on the international community. Within a week, Sweden issued a European arrest warrant to go get the guy behind WikiLeaks in the UK to answer questions about rape charges originating in Sweden. The timing could not be more suspicious. The man accused says he's being pursued for political reasons, and it's pretty easy to follow his logic. But even if you are suspicious about the timing, there are two women who went to the police with what are essentially date rape charges against this guy. That does not fit on a bumper sticker. Can your suspicion about the forces arrayed against Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, your suspicion about the timing and the pursuit of these charges, coexist with respect for the women making these accusations against him and with a commitment to take rape allegations seriously, even when the person accused is someone that, for other reasons, you like? Joining us now is one of the great filmmakers of our time who has emerged as a stalwart defender of WikiLeaks. He's the man who just posted Julian Assange's $20,000 bail. He is my friend Michael Moore. I know the, the, the Julian Assange bail situation has been has gotten a, a lot of attention. It has sort of, uh, blown up in lots of different directions, left, right, and center. I would love to hear from you why you posted his bail. Uh, well, <laughs> I just, I, first of all, I think that WikiLeaks has done such an important uh, job to get the truth out about so many of the things that we haven't uh, been told the truth about. It's very interesting, the memo, that, the cable that you, re, uh, about the Cuba uh, screening of my, of my film, that was a, that, even that cable, which was a lie, 
was good to see because you saw how the Bush administration people located in the uh, intersection in Havana were sending back cables to the State Department uh, assuring them that you know, the, the sickle, the, the Michael Moore isn't really that liked by the Cubans, so don't, you know. Yeah. Which you would think is kind of weird. You'd think they'd want to actually put that on me, you know, that yeah. Castro and I are sleeping with each other. Right. Or something, so. <laughs> well, you think they would also want to get it right. If they're promoting it to the government as useful information for the government, you would think that they wanted to check and see if it was true. Yeah. But this is all part of it, the sort of the, when the smear takes place. And, yeah. and uh, you've had Wendell Potter, Keith has had Wendell Potter on the show. This is the health insurance executive who's come forward to um, talk about how uh, they spent millions of dollars trying to smear me, trying to uh, put things out there about me that weren't true in order so that people wouldn't go see sicko. So I'm very sensitive to when I, I see anyone accused like this, especially when uh, the government, in this case our government, has something very much at stake in stopping WikiLeaks. And man, when you've got the Vice President of the United States on Sunday calling him a high-tech terrorist, you've got people in Congress calling for you know, uh, uh, him to be arrested, Sarah Palin, people, uh, uh, other pundits wanting, uh, saying it would be okay to assassinate him. It's just like, um, you know, I don't know, man. I, I just was, I was raised a certain way, and it's, I've, I, and I was raised to be a good Christian, in, if I can say that yeah. here. Um, Look at me. I, <laughs> it's the YMCA. You want to know what the C stands for? Don't worry. I was going to say the Islamic Community Center is, looks quite well here in Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> no, but, that, but, that's, but that's true with, with all religions, I think, teach the same basic thing. That, and especially um, that you have to stand up for those who are considered the worst. And, and that in this case, as an American, you have to believe that that person has a right uh, to be heard, a right to a trial, and to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. Now, I know nothing about what happened between Mr. Assange and these two women. And I have to say, quite clearly, and I've been a huge advocate uh, of this since I, when I was 19 years old, I helped start the, the first rape crisis center in Flint, Michigan. So this has been a, a very serious issue for me for a very long time. Every woman who claims to have been sexually assaulted or raped has to be, must be taken seriously. And those charges have to be investigated to the fullest extent possible. And, and for too long, too many women have been abused uh, in our society because they weren't listened to and, and, and they just got shoved aside or they, whatever. It was just, it was, it was not, the older people in here remember the way it used to be. It's not that much better now. It got a little better because of the women's movement made that happen. So, uh, so I think uh, uh, these, these two alleged victims have to be treated very seriously and Mr. Assange has to answer the questions. That's not what's at issue here. I'm much more concerned about that, that there's a concerted attempt to stop WikiLeaks. And, and I think WikiLeaks, OpenLeaks, anybody that is trying to do the job of telling us the truth. And how about, <laughs> I mean, poor Bradley Manning. The soldier who sits in Quantico tonight, this man has been in solitary confinement for seven months. Seven months. And his crime is, his crime is that he did what they said at Nuremberg were to do. 
If you see something happening, especially during wartime, that is illegal, immoral, you have a responsibility as a human being to stand up and say something. And he came across, allegedly, the video of our soldiers firing from a helicopter and murdering two reporters from Reuters along with a bunch of Iraqi civilians. That is being done in my name and with my tax dollars. I want to know when that's going on and I admire anybody who stands up and tells us that's going on. He should be rewarded, not be in prison. With hundreds of thousands of documents, if they all came from Manning, and if, that, if what you're describing there in terms of exposing that is one thing among hundreds of thousands of other things that he exposed, do you want to hear the answer from him about why he chose to release everything wholesale rather than releasing the one thing that outraged him? I mean, the cable about Muammar Gaddafi having a busty Ukrainian nurse was not an, Amer was not an outrage. Yeah. This, was not, this was not him blowing the whistle on something. Mm -hmm. This was him personally yeah. taking it upon himself to declassify hundreds of thousands of documents. Well, I don't know. Again, I wasn't there. Yeah. I um, want to hear the explanation. But I'd that. like to hear it. Yeah. And, and I would assume uh, that, you know, this is a young person. And so one's level of maturity maybe isn't at the level, say, a Daniel Ellsberg's maturity was at during the Vietnam War. But, but we're a better people as a result of knowing the truth of what took, took place in Iraq and Afghanistan. And now with the wider WikiLeaks cables that, that, that um, I mean, Rachel, this never gets said. I mean, we talk about the two wars that we're in, Iraq and Afghanistan. We're not in two wars. We're fighting six wars. Why isn't this said every night on the news? It's not Iraq and Afghanistan. Our military is performing actions in Pakistan. It's performing actions in Yemen, in the Horn of Africa, in Colombia. We're involved in six wars right now. We're a six-war country. That's what's going on. Why isn't that being said? I want to know about that. That's why I want WikiLeaks and, and people who are whistleblowers to come forward and tell us the truth about what's being done in our name and with our money. We will be right back with Michael Moore live at the 92nd Street Y here in New York. Please stay with us. Back at the 92nd Street Y here in New York City with Academy Award winning filmmaker Michael Moore talking about WikiLeaks. Is there, should governments be allowed to keep anything secret? Is there anything that government should be allowed to keep secret? Yes. You, yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, the problem with us is that we've behaved very badly in the last decade. And we went to war essentially based on a group of lies. Because of that, and because of the, the calamity that we've caused, the deaths that we're responsible for, both of our own soldiers and the Iraqis, I think <laughs> if I were king of the world, I would just say, you know what, United States, we love you, you're great, you've got to, you know, but um, you've, you've misbehaved here, and we've got to turn the lights on now, and we have to pay attention to what you're up to. So I think the lights have to stay on us for a while, because the people in power can't be trusted based on what they've done in the last decade. Are you, one of the WikiLeaks cables that just, uh, that, that just surfaced, just posted at the Guardian website, we were just talking about this, is um, about uh, your movie Fahrenheit 9-11. Uh, a screening of it being stopped? 
Yeah, well, this, was, this was just while I was waiting backstage there, they just came across the wire, that um, there's a WikiLeaks cable tonight, with me in it again, and um, the Bush administration, the State Department, um, heard that, there, that a cabinet minister, the, the Minister for Environment in New Zealand, was going to host a screening of Fahrenheit 9-11. They sent a cable uh, to New Zealand telling the ambassador to get on the phone with the prime minister, who he calls, to tell him to get his cabinet minister to stop having this screening of Michael Moore's film. And then the cable kind of brags about how, due to the series of calls that they made to the government of New Zealand, they were able to stop, or not, they were able to get the cabinet minister to withdraw being the host of the Michael Moore screening. Now, if they were micromanaging me yeah. that much, or if they were that concerned about the truth in Fahrenheit 9-11, that they had to go after a screening in a place I don't even really know where it is. <laughs> I mean, I know it's way away, like, too long to sit and coach for me. <laughs> but it's like, I, I just, I don't... You want to know. I, yeah. Yes, I want to know. I, well, because I think it speaks to the larger issue. If they had the time for that, what else, you know, are these guys up to? And that's why full disclosure, transparency is absolutely critical. And, and we need to not only support WikiLeaks, which is more than just about one individual, um, and let me just say again, if that individual is guilty of those crimes, I hope he suffers the full extent of what the law can do to him uh, for that. Everybody agrees with that, right? I mean, this is, this is, you have to... But WikiLeaks is more than just this one man. It's a whole group of people around the world trying to do this, this great work of transparency. Michael Moore, Academy Award-winning filmmaker. I am not as much, I am not 100% with you on this. I think you're making an incredibly articulate case for it, and you being persuasive about it is going to change the you way about full, about You mean it. about full disclosure? About full disclosure. I just, just I, I, uh, I think that, uh, I think that we believe stuff that is leaked to us in a way that is, uh, that is, can be dangerous by, if people choose to do it in a yeah. malicious way. It hasn't been done in a malicious way, but it could be. And I, I agree, but, yeah. but the point of what happened to me with the Cuba cable is that's why the Guardian, the New York Times, and the papers have to take these cables and then do real journalism. Real journalism. Real investigative reporting. That's what we're missing these days. Thanks for listening, everyone, and welcome back to regularly scheduled content after uh, after the holiday break and uh, past the new year and everything. Uh, I want to remind you guys that we have a voicemail where you can call in and leave comments, questions, activist calls to action, or anything else you'd like to say. And, uh, you know, obviously over the break, I didn't get many calls. Uh, that's why you're not hearing those right at this moment. But uh, the number to dial if you'd like to do that is 206-202-3410. Now, just about the only thing I'm going to say today is to give away the last hint I have to give on the mystery topic contest to give away free memberships to the show. Uh, and so far, two people have gotten the answer right. So I'm simultaneously uh, you know, happy that it turned out to not be a completely impossible question, uh, but also that I seem to have made it exactly hard enough that it uh, you know wasn't too easy and wasn't too hard. So it's it's guessable, it's gettable, but it's not uh, it's not just a, a, an easy giveaway to everyone. 
So now I'm going to give the last clue. I'm very confident that a lot of people are going to get it as soon as they hear it. So, uh, you know, send your answers to me, j at bestoftheleft.com, or, uh, or you can even call in and leave your answer on the voicemail line that I just uh, gave you, 206-202-3410. The last hint I have to give is the title of the original show that I made on this topic back in April of 2006 was The Hammer and the Gavel. Now, it's almost like I chose the name of that uh, that show to be a puzzle clue almost five years later. But no, I didn't. It just happens that, uh, that it's a perfect uh, puzzle clue that uh, is, is just puzzling enough, um, but also I think a pretty dead giveaway uh, for, for those in the know. So get those answers in and I can give away these last three free memberships. And then of course, I'll tell you what the actual answer was on the next show. Like I said, that's all I have for today. So I just want to thank a couple members. Michael F. signed up uh, for his socialist membership back on uh, September 8th and has stuck with the show since then. And Kathleen S. signed up as a leftist back on October 8th and uh, and uh, signed up for a membership for the full year in advance. So huge thanks to Michael and Kathleen and all of the members and donors who keep the show going, uh, you know, by being members and uh, and to those who donate. And to everyone who helps the show tremendously just by spreading the word to everyone you know, all your friends and family and neighbors and uh, enemies and coworkers and so on, it really does make a huge difference. So please keep that up to stay connected with the show between episodes and help spread the word online. Join up with us on Facebook and Twitter for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode. All of those details are always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you 10 times a month. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Thought of black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right burning on a shining sheet the only maker that you wanna meet A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who'll take you out